Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glickson with my tag team partner, Matt Story. And Matt is in his new home. The new, That's right. The new Tempe home. That's right. Of the Ben and That's Matt right. Sportscast. Yes. I, uh, if, if I sound, you know, not all there sometimes or exhausted, it's because, well, I am. Uh, you know, it's been a, been a tiring few days today especially, but here we are. So yeah, it's it's good to good to have it almost complete. I'm gonna read you a series of numbers. 35, 29, 50, 32, 47, 35, 35, 39, 41, 45, 41, 43, 44, 38, 32, 42, 43, 38, 57, 58, 48, 37, 61. I know what those numbers mean. Those are the point totals for James Harden beginning on December 8th through yesterday at the yeah. Nets. Yeah, yeah. When he uh, went for his, his, I believe, career high, uh, season high, I know, 61, uh, at the Garden with a lot of expectation to put on a show, and he did. Uh, so, yeah, pretty uh, amazing run that he's on. No, no question about it. I, I find it, you know, of course – as we tend to do now, we, we take something good and and spin it into something, you know, well, is he really that good or can they win this way? Just just appreciate it for what it is. He's having an incredible run doing things that, you know, by the numbers have only been done by one guy in league history, and that's Will Chamberlain. So the naysayers, and I want to open with the naysayers. Which there always are some. Point to... The Orlando Magic game on January 13th. Right. Harden played 43 minutes. He scored 38 points, but went 1 of 17 from right. 3. Right, right. Um, setting aside the fact that he also went 15 of 16 at the line and had 12 assists right. and 9 rebounds that right. day. Right, right, uh, right. And yeah. 4 seals for all of you. He doesn't play defense, people. Right, exactly, yeah. Yeah. But they lost that game by seven. And on this little tear that he's been on, they have lost one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games. They have. But they've won many more games, including beating Golden State. Right. You know, at Golden right. State. I mean, since then, I, I believe when they started this this stretch, they were outside of the top eight. And they're up to fifth now in the West. Um, and yeah, you're right. They beat some, you know they beat the Spurs. I know that. Um, you know they beat had the Celtics. They beat too. the Pelicans. They beat they the did. Thunder. They did. Um, yeah. Now I know they got you know blown out a couple nights ago by Philly. Um, just you know totally yeah. blown out from from the start, and they, they had to struggle to, to beat New York. Yeah, they lost to Brooklyn. Uh, they lost to the Magic. Right. Well, the Brooklyn game. God, they choked that game away twice. Regulation and OT. They had sizable leads late and, and somehow you know Brooklyn just kept coming back in it I watched the end of that that was actually the, the last night we were talking I, uh, that game was going on as we were talking and I was watching it because of Harden and it was free league past week that's why I was watching it otherwise I wouldn't have seen it um, uh, but yeah, I mean look he's not playing with anybody right now and, and I mean any stars at least let's put it that way uh, Eric Gordon was hurt for majority this time. He's finally back. Chris Paul's been out pretty much this whole run. Now Clint Capella's out. You know, I mean, he's going to have to carry the, the day, and he's doing it. And they're winning a lot of games. 
And, it, you know, it might not be the most aesthetically pleasing, uh, you know, type of basketball because it's a lot of iso ball. And, uh, but, you know, you do what you have to do to win, and they, they have to do it to win because the West is so deep that, you know, a, an ill-timed, you know, five-game losing streak and you might miss the playoffs now. Yeah. And I guess the question is, well, what is, you know, the rest of his team doing? Is he... You know, is he just going to wear himself out for the playoffs? Yeah. Well, get into the playoffs. They, as you said, right. they weren't in when this started. Right. You, you have know? to get in. Yeah. I mean, and and it's a great point that you know, can he can he keep up this pace? I mean, we saw it two years ago before they had Chris Paul, and he had a great year. Probably, you know, easily could have won MVP that year. Westbrook ended up winning. You know, when he averaged triple double, but I think Harden finished second that by the playoffs, he just seemed like he was out of gas. And uh, that may happen again. They're, you know, they should get Paul and Capella back. Um, I know they're active in the, you know, looking for trades too. Um, and so maybe, you know, the, by the time they get to that point, they'll probably be a different looking team than they are right now. It is something to watch the one ASU player in the NBA yeah. do this. It really is. It really is. I mean, like it, you know, and, and you're right. There's all the, all the naysayers are there. He, he shoots too many threes. He's a flopper. Um, you know, he, he doesn't play defense. He doesn't do it in the playoffs. Those criticisms, some of them are very valid. Some not as much, but that they all have some validity to it. He hasn't played well in the playoffs. Um, now he's had, you know, it's one of those where, perception becomes reality he has played pretty well in the playoffs at times but he hasn't delivered when when it matters the very most he didn't play well in the finals with okc he didn't really play well in game six and seven last year against old state um so some of the biggest moments he hasn't but gosh he's playing great and he's doing things like i said to you in in text you know a few days ago when you're scoring prowess in the nba gets compared to will chamberlain you're doing something pretty amazing because uh, he is the, the you know, well-known as basically the greatest scorer for what he was able to do just dominance-wise, starting with the 100-point game and then all the other things he did. Forever he was the leading scorer until Kareem passed him. Um, uh, you know, I mean, when you're in that company, you're doing something pretty special, and he is. Yeah, and, and he may well be on his way to winning another MVP award. Yeah, he might. I mean, if he, uh, it, you know, it's it's tough to go back to back because um, I think you know we we kind of fall in love with the new story, whatever that is. Uh, last year was him. Um, you know, the year before was Westbrook, um, and and there's other good candidates this year. You know, uh, right there in, in your home city, uh, Giannis yes. is having a great year. Which, by the way, is he Giannis or Giannis now? That's a different story. But I hear people starting to call him Giannis. Did he change the pronunciation? Everyone here calls him Giannis. Okay, that's what I always thought too. But I'm hearing more and more people on TV actually pronouncing the G, and I don't know where that's coming from. Eh, they could be wrong. I don't know. That's a side note. Anyway, you know he's a he's certainly a great candidate. Um, you know, there's a number of others. LeBron was a great candidate till he got hurt. He's probably missing too many games now to to win it. Although if he comes back and they go on a great win streak and get in the playoffs, he may still be a factor. Um, but yeah, I mean, if if he, I, I think the I think the single you know 
maybe outside of Wilt, again, didn't Jordan average like 37 a game one year? I mean, if Harden tops that, I think he's, it's going to be hard to not give him the MVP again. I agree with you. I, to me, it's just amazing. The, the other piece of this to me that I find stunning, and Harden, by the way, is averaging 36.3 points a game. Yeah. He is seven points per game ahead of Davis and Curry, who are tied for second. <laughs> wow. Wow. And 50-plus over the last five games. Yeah. Um, it's amazing because the lack of pros ASU has really turned out. Yeah, yeah, no, I agreed. I mean, that is that is the the thing that makes it so wild. I think for me and for you is is um, we watch this guy, you know, play as a as a baby face freshman. I mean, and again, for us in particular, we we met him when he was a high school senior. And, and, uh, you know, not, not many people knew who he was in that building at that time. Um, we weren't even a hundred percent sure who he was when we first saw him and, and, you know, we're able to piece together. Hey, I think that's James Harden. We should get a picture with him. We did. Um, and, and to see him, uh, doing what he's doing, is just, it's amazing that, you know, this guy who we watched kind of slowly start out, you know, is now now a, a you know an all-time great superstar I I never expected it no and it is really quite something yes it is it is yeah yeah so it's uh I mean it, you know it's just so again I mean I know there's the naysayers and there always are for one reason or another but uh it's it's really cool I mean, when he won MVP last year, all the things he's done, he's won a gold medal, he's, he's been to the finals, he, you know, this stuff that I just never would have imagined he had a chance to accomplish. And he's, he's become so much better than I ever thought. You and I have discussed that many, many times. I thought he was a, uh, you know, a good NBA player. You know, that would probably be his, his peak. A guy who maybe could average, you know, 15, 20 points a game, uh, come off the bench maybe. I certainly never expected it to be, you know, an MVP, all-star, uh, all-NBA. Well, and perpetually the in the conversation, you know, yeah. for all-NBA first team. Yeah. I mean, if so, what, he won MVP last year? Wasn't he runner-up twice before? Yeah. Two of the last three years before that? I mean, if he finishes, you know, top two or three again this year, uh, you know, I never would have expected him to be an MVP candidate at all. Again, I, you know, he won sixth man of the year and I think his second or third year there with OKC. And I thought that was probably about the type of player he was going to be. A great sixth man, maybe a good starter. Never expected this, but it's it's been so much fun to watch. and And just, you know... I, I, it is kind of one of those like pinch yourself times with him where you're hearing this stuff and you're seeing him on, you know, graphics with Will Chamberlain. And it's like, wow, this, this guy that you and I watched play college ball is doing something that, you know, nobody but Will Chamberlain has done in NBA history. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. It, it's crazy. It is crazy. It really is. It is. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I've, um, I've, I've, I like following, you know, guys as they come up through the ranks and, you know, I, I met Tiger Woods when he was a, you know, college golfer, but he was supposed to be great and he has been, you know, I followed LeBron, 
but I think for Harden, what the, the amazing thing is, is just that I never expected it to be this good. No, I don't his, think very many people did. His role at Oklahoma City, when he won sixth man of the year, you and I talked about it. It's like, wow, that is better than I thought his career yeah. would go. Yeah, you know, I yeah, thought he I mean, could I, be a fringe starter for a not good team or a six man. Right, and, you right. know, and he became a really good six man. It's like, wow, that is awesome. Yes, uh, I know. agree. I agree. I mean, I, I thought uh, I thought that was about the peak that, you know, he would he would be that type of player. I mean, the comparison uh, and it was an easy one because of his his handedness. But I thought he was, a you know, a Manu Ginobili type guy who could, you know, come off the bench, be a good scorer, um, but never really, you know, Ginobili was a great player. He's probably a Hall of Famer for his international stuff, too. But, you know, never was an all-NBA guy. Never was one of the, you know, three or four best players in the league. Um, valuable player, but but not a superstar. And that, that's kind of what I thought Harden, you know, Max would be. I was hoping he'd be that good. And he's taken it you know, so many levels beyond that. Yeah. It's amazing. It is. It is. And yeah, I mean, you're right. It is, uh, you know, I just, I try to, I try to just appreciate it for what it is, honestly, that, you know, he's playing as well as he has and he's become the player he is. He was, you know, voted an all-star starter again for probably what the sixth, seventh time in his career. Uh, I mean, just things that I never expected he'd, he'd reach this type of heights. Well, and one thing that you and I have both marveled at with him that I think actually is an interesting transition to ASU basketball as it currently stands is even when it's not going well, he gets to the line and then he makes his free throws. Yes, yes, yes. And the current Sun Devils who take on UCLA tonight um, don't make their free throws. Like, no, they like get to the Rob, line. Rob Edwards <laughs> makes his free throws, and, right. and then nobody. I mean, of nobody the else regu- really has of the, done it. Of the regulars, Edwards is shooting 89.3%. The next closest guy is Kamani Lawrence at 75.9. Below him is Remy Martin at 72.2. And after that, none of the regulars shoot over 70%. None. Yeah. Not yeah. Dort, not Cheatham. Not not even Tayshon Cherry, who's a shooter, you know, is shooting that. He is. Well, and, and Dort is the one that I, I suppose bothers me the most just because of his style of play. He's so good at you know getting to the basket, uh, creating that contact, but you have to be able to, to take advantage of it, and he hasn't consistently done that. He had a he had a pretty good night um, when you know when we played Kansas, but then he missed two that could have been really key. You know, they didn't end up costing us, but certainly could have. Um, well, and he's up shooting, to that point, he was perfect. He's but, shooting but, six and a half free throws a game. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, he's getting the opportunities. He just isn't good at. He hasn't gotten good enough to take advantage of them, and that's you know, those are just lost points. I mean, they really are. <laughs> you know, to not to be uh, too simplistic here, but they're called free for a reason. Those are free points. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah, people rag James Harden for, oh, he, you know, well, he scored 61, but he had 22 at the line. But he's making them. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, okay, yeah, the game is called differently than it used to. I have no question about it. And and there's more threes and there's more free throws. And, uh, you know, I, I understand that comparing it to the 80s, you can't really do. But well, he's the, taking advantage of it. If it was that easy to do, 
everyone would be How doing come it. Nobody else is doing it. Exactly. I, I have, I have uh, been thinking the same thing. Like, you know, well, you know, it, yeah, he gets 25 free throws tonight. Well, nobody else is getting that many. So he's doing something that, that somebody else isn't doing. You know, I, yeah, he's good at he's good at exaggerating contact. I don't, there's no doubt about that. But he, you know, he takes advantage of it too, and that's the biggest thing for me is he he takes advantage of the opportunities. Yeah, there has there's just been too much of that with with ASU now bad free throw shooting nights that have really you know cost us games. I mean, in all honesty. If we'd shot free throws well, we'd probably be two or three wins better than we are. Well, you would assume we would have beaten Princeton if we would have shot yes. them since we lost by one. Um, yeah. And, and that really sticks out like a sore thumb. Yeah. Yeah. You know. I mean, Utah. Didn't we, you know, we didn't, we didn't lose that big to Utah. Well, we, and yeah. I mean, the conference games, we lost, you know, the Utah game we lost by 10, but we missed 10 free throws. We were 15 right. of 25 at the line. That's right. embarrassing. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's just too many, you know, and look, I don't expect to be 100%. I mean, nobody is. You're going to, you know, you're going to miss some. But you but should if, shoot, could se- shoot, if you could shoot 72% as a team. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was going to say 70 to 80%, we'd be a lot better off. And, you know, it, it, hasn't, it hasn't outright cost us a game yet. I mean, we haven't had a game where it was like, okay, we're you know, we were up by one, we missed two, and somebody came down and made a buzzer beater and it cost us the game. But, the you know, the, the volume of, of missed free throws certainly has contributed to at least a couple of the losses. Yeah. it's Look, it's embarrassing. It, they should be, they yeah. should shoot better, they should be better, and they're not. Yeah, yeah, I mean, now, look, we say that and we're coming off a... A weekend sweep, um, which you and I have discussed, you know, so far this year and last year that, you know, we hadn't been able to do enough of that. Um, we, we, we got the sweep. We beat, you know, Oregon State, who came in undefeated in the conference and then um, used a great run in the second half to beat Oregon, uh, you know, who had just beat Arizona two nights before. Um, so, you know, four and two is not shabby. Um, would have loved to be six and oh or five and one. I think we could have been. But, you know, at the, at the one-third pole, it's not too bad. Yeah. Look, bad losses aside, we're 13-5. and five. We're 4-2 and two yeah. in conference. We're a game and a half behind the Huskies. Washington. Yeah. Um, I mean, everything's still in front of us. Uh, you know, we, we can still win the conference. It's, it's still there for the taking. Uh, we get, I think we play Washington twice, uh, pretty sure. Mm-hmm. We, the home and home. Um, now they are playing well, and Arizona has played fairly well. Uh, a little up and down, but uh, you know, but but we're not uh, we're not outclassed by anybody. I mean, we still got a shot to make a run and, and you know finish in the top two or three of the conference. Hopefully, I'm hoping number one. But you know, top two or three would give us a a reasonable chance to make the tournament. Because as much as people have been down on the Pac-12, and appropriately so. You know, the, the bracketology I saw had four Pac-12 teams in, including us. So, you know, there's 68 spots. Regardless of how bad the Pac-12 might have played, there's there's still 68 spots available, and they're probably going to get two or three. Yeah. Uh, you know, the fear is we need to be number one or number two, or we need to win the tournament. And what we can't be is three and have someone like Oregon 
get right. hot and win the tournament. The conference right, tournament. right. I mean, you know, there's there's a whole lot, obviously, to still shake out. I mean, it's it's not even the end of January yet. We got all of February, a couple of weeks of March before we even get to conference tournaments. Um, and, you know, so there's there's a lot to be determined in how things will shake out. But we, you know, take care of our business and go, you know, 12, 13, 14 wins in conference, I think we'll have a, a reasonable chance. And then, you know, if we if we show well in the conference tournament, even maybe not win it, but, you know, make a run to the semifinals, final, something like that, we'll have a decent argument. That win over Kansas will help. Will help. A win over Mississippi State's a good win. Um, the Georgia win and, might know, turn out to be a good win. Yeah, yeah. The Vandy loss is, you know, Vandy took, took the number one team in the country to overtime last night, uh, you know, so Vandy's not a bad team. Um, you know, the, the Utah loss isn't horrible. I mean, the Stanford loss isn't great. Um, but, you know, we'll see how it, how it shakes out. Obviously with the rest of the conference season, Stanford hasn't been very good so far. So, well, the, um, and the one that they can't fix is Princeton. That's a bad loss. No, that's just a bad loss. You know. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But you hope that, you know, there's enough, meat on the bone of good wins um, and Kansas is obviously the best one we're going to get no matter what happens the rest of the year we're, we're not going to we're not going to win a game better than Kansas um, you know just because nobody we're not going to have a chance to regard it that high right yeah. right you know I mean if we if we beat a team better than Kansas it's going to be in a sweet 16 or later because um, nobody in the conference is considered that good so uh, you know, we'll, we'll hope that happens. That'd be great if that comes to pass. If we even play a team as good as Kansas the rest of the year, that means we've at least made the tournament. So, um, you know, we'll we'll see how it goes. But I'm, I'm encouraged that they got the home sweep. They needed it. And now, you know, I mean, Howler wrote about it this week. Got to take it on the road. You know, got to have the have the success on the road um, that you have at home. And he mentioned it in relation to Tayshawn Cherry, but it's the case for the whole team. You, you know, you've got to, got to be able to do it away from home. Yeah. And as you and I talked about before we started recording, ASU basketball does not win yeah. on the road. Uh, have not. At, at have least not. in one place I've seen, ASU has not had a road sweep since the Pac-12 came into existence. Right, right, right. I mean, it's it's kind of the same story as football we talk about a lot. You know, uh, they, they play pretty well at home. I mean, we've seen it the last few years, honestly. You know, certainly with Todd Graham's teams, uh, you know, we saw it to an extent last year, although, you know, we did get the USC win and the Arizona win. But, um, you know, it was kind of the same thing. And, and you expect to not play as well. Things are going to be tougher on the road. I get that. But uh, yeah, you have to be able to weather the storm. And too many times with ASU football and basketball, it seems like you know what you see at home is almost an entirely different team than what you see on the road, and that can't be the case. You have to be able to you know play somewhat the same and, and you know do some of the same things, have some of the same success away from home that you have at home. Yeah, and that has been a problem. It has. Um, it has. So we'll we'll find out, you know, this uh, tonight and I believe Saturday is, is the is mm-hmm. the other game against USC. It's always hard to remember now. There's the Thursday Saturday format isn't quite as strict as it used to be. But uh, you know, UCLA tonight, USC I guess got their uh, 
uh, one of their stars back from suspension, which I had heard he was going to be out all year, but he's back tonight, the Porter kid. Mm-hmm. So that may make that game tougher than you would have expected. Well, they are pounding Arizona at halftime. To give you a sense of when we're recording, right. it is 36-19 USC at the half. Wow. Porter, wow. six I saw points, they were up three boards, and a very block. early. Wow, yeah. I, I, I thought I had read, and I don't know if you read it, a week or so ago that, that Enfield said he was going to be out the rest of the year. So I don't know what happened there, uh, but the yes, NCAA the NCAA doesn't like to be told what to do, even if what <laughs> they're being told is to yeah, yeah. Video. I mean, I, I maybe I read it. It's possible I did, you know. But uh, I I thought sure that I read, you know, he's he was out the rest of the season um, for you know rules violation or whatever. But I guess things have changed. If I did read that, it's not the case anymore. Well. For, you know, from talking about a team that struggles on the road to two teams that did not, the uh, NFC and AFC championship yeah. games, you and I, a solid 0-2 on our picks. Yeah, there. I know. I have I have uh, labored my way through the NFL playoffs. Uh, I think, uh, what, out of 10 games, I think I've only gotten four picks right, maybe at most, maybe only three. Uh, started out 2-0, and but it's been pretty cold since then. Yeah, I'm. I am only two better than you for the whole <laughs> for the whole thing. Yeah, we've uh, we've not done well, and it, it, these games were, uh, you know, the underdogs won both. As you mentioned, the road teams won both. Which, for I believe the last five years before, the home teams were you know perfect ten and zero in the conference title games. Um, the last time a you know conference title game one was by a road team was twelve when when both road teams won, and then. The, happened again this this past Sunday obviously with a little bit of uh, controversy to it especially in the NFC game although some some shaky calls in that AFC game too maybe not as as boldly uh, impactful on the result as the NFC games was however it was a so it's a humor podcast and it's a baseball centric podcast but Joe Posnanski and Michael Schur who do the mm-hmm. podcast we're talking mm-hmm. about you know, and I think rightly so. It's a it's a sport designed on imperfection, and then we get sure. mad when we notice the imperfection at a critical moment. Sure, you know. sure. You know, I I mean, bad calls happen, and you know, I, I think sometimes we forget that that officials are humans, and they make mistakes just like players make mistakes and coaches make mistakes. We, we do it with coaches too. You know, we, we criticize the coach. Oh, what, what, what was he thinking doing that? Well, sometimes you think wrong. Sometimes you make a mistake. We all do it. Um, this one was a very bold, bad call. Um, I, I, well, it was, it was everything that we've been told uh, constitutes uh, he, he, he didn't turn and look for the ball. He right. hit him before the ball got there. He yes. hit him in the helmet. He hit him in the helmet. Yeah. I mean, it, Look, I am I am a not a fan at all of what happens, you know, for seventeen weeks a year, it seems like, where, you know, it's third down, team throws an incompletion, and oh, there's a flag, three ten yards and a first down. Um, and it's it's frustrating. I mean, I see it all the time and, and there's so many Sundays that I just like shake my head in disgust how many times, you know, teams get bailed out without having to make a play. This was one that should have been called. Uh, you know, there are plenty of times I see things and I think, yeah, you could have let that go. Or if it is let go, I'm thinking, great, let's play the game that way. There were a couple earlier in the game. You know, there was a throw to Ted Ginn 
that probably could have been called interference, but yeah, I'm not sure. And, and, you know, I'm fine with that, but let him play a little bit, but this was a penalty. And, you know, if they get that call, they can basically with, you know, and the Rams had one timeout, they can run three plays, take it down to about 15 seconds, kick a field goal and probably the game's over and they win. And so it's a, it's a very impactful mistake um, because, you know, in all likelihood, we have a different team in the Super Bowl if they make that call. Yeah. Um, that being said, I do not think that these uh, lawsuits are going to be successful. No, 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 it won't. I mean, you know, I, the NFL is doing a horrendous job of handling this, not coming out and just admitting a mistake, which they do, you know, on a weekly basis during the season. But, you know, they're running and hiding now, just saying nothing. Um, everybody knows it's a mistake, so just acknowledge it. But no, they, you know, there's not going to be any replay of the game. There's not going to be any, you know, anything like that. Um, you know, I, I mean, I my dad's a Saints fan. I know he's angry about it. I know there's a lot of people in New Orleans who are angry about it. You're just going to have to get over it. I mean, you're not wrong to be angry, but the game's over. The Rams won. Um, the Saints still had a chance to win the game. I mean, yes, they very likely would have won if that call was made. Fact is, they were up by three with a minute 40 to go, and their defense didn't get a stop. Mm-hmm. And then Drew Brees threw an interception in overtime. And so they, they had chances to win the game even after that, and they didn't do it. Yeah. Uh, Benjamin Watson, the retiring <laughs> tight end, uh, tweeted, and I'm just going to read an excerpt. Commissioner Goodell, we all realize that football is an imperfect game played, coached, and officiated by imperfect people. What occurred last Sunday in New Orleans, though, was outside of that expected and accepted norm. Your continued silence on the matter is unbecoming of the position you hold, detrimental to the integrity of the game, and disrespectful and dismissive to football fans everywhere. I mean, I I, I think he's right. Um, Goodell, though, Goodell is like Larry Scott. He's just not going to go anywhere, and it's kind of ridiculous. And and that has has become – I mean, this is not – uncharacteristic for Goodell now. Goodell has become a ghost. I mean, how many times do we see him, hear him? You don't. I mean, the, he, the has, he has faded into the background, basically. Yeah, he shows up for the draft and to hand out the yeah. trophy. Yeah, and he'll he'll do his, you know, his Friday press conference probably before the Super Bowl. And that's about it as far as organized media availability. Because, you know, yeah, he shows up at the trophy ceremony. He's not asking, he's not answering questions. Um, he shows up at the draft. He's not answering questions, you know. So he has he has really gone ghost basically over the last year or so. And, I mean, I've I've heard that discussed in other circumstances well before this. Of you know what what's changed because that didn't used to be that way, and now it's like he he just um, you know he still has the job, but we don't see or hear from him all that much. It's surprising. Yeah, it is. I don't know if it's a, you know, a result of the, the number of, you know, PR foibles that they've had under his watch, some of which he has, you know, come right out and been a part of. Um, I'm not sure. I don't know what the rationale is, but yeah, I mean, it, you know, the, the joke that they've made on, you know, PTI is that, you know, he's hiding under his desk and kind of feels that way <laughs> I mean, it's almost like it's almost like the new strategy for him has become you know let's just uh 
let's just close the office doors, hide out, you know, in the fetal position and, and let it pass. And quite honestly, it will. I mean, let, let's, we have a very short attention span. Uh, next week, the focus will be on the Super Bowl. If the Super Bowl is a great game, this will become just a footnote. Uh, you know, uh, Saints fans, it won't be, but you know, I don't, I don't trust that this will have any long range implications. Yeah. Well, and no one's going to come back at him because he is Teflon. He is untouchable. He is. He is. Uh, Yeah. I mean, uh, now, you know, I guess the the topic of discussion that has come out of this, and I'm curious with your thoughts on it, uh, you know, does this bring about an expansion of what can be challenged and should it? Uh, What do you think? I mean, would you, would you like that? Dislike it? Where do you fall on that? I don't like it. But I want to expand on that. My fear is that it will be we're challenging penalties. Mm -hmm. And I don't like that. 12 men is an obvious thing. But on any given play, you can find holding or whatever. What I would like or be more comfortable with, I should say, is if the two-minute booth review penalties – are treated the same way as the two-minute other reviews. You know, if there's some egregious thing in the final two minutes of either half, you can stop it. And yeah, yeah, I I wouldn't mind that. I guess I'm I'm kind of of the thought that uh, I don't I wouldn't be against saying everything is challengeable, but keep the same number of challenges that you can have. So so that you know, well, because I don't want to, I don't want you know on second and eight, uh, midway through the first quarter, you know, uh, you know, Oh, we got to stop the play. There might've been a holding there. I mean, nobody wants that. You want the game to have a flow, um, you know, but uh, okay, here's the thing. If a coach thinks that second and eight midway through the first quarter, that holding is, is pivotal. Use one of your challenges. And if you get the call, you get the call. Great. But now you're down to one less challenge than you had before. You don't get unlimited number. I, I guess I'm okay with that. I just feel like you can find it on every play. You can. And you can. That, you and, know. And, and, and that's why I don't want the college game where it's, you know, we're going to make everything subject to automatic review because, Mike, you would, you would have a stoppage every other snap. Oh, we got to look and see, was there holding there? Was there a, an illegal contact that, you know, was unnoticed? Um, I don't want that. And I don't think anybody wants that. I mean, that, you know, the game gets real ugly. I mean, we have stretches of games that it feels like that. Like, man, another stoppage. Good God, can we just, you know, have three or four snaps without a, a whistle or a stoppage or a review or something? Um, so, I, yeah, I don't want that. But, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, and I don't like saying it, I'm with Bill Belichick, but he's been on this for a few years. Like, let everything be challengeable. And then, you know, let the coaches determine what's important enough to challenge. Are you going to waste two of your challenges in the first quarter? Probably not. But if you want to, go well, if for If you're it. Joe Philbin, you do. If you're Joe Philbin, you will. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that, but I thought I'd just let that go. You did it. Oh, I, ca- I cannot let that go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they won that game at least. Yeah. Which also is worse in the long run. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, um, yeah. but uh, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, it'll be interesting to see. But I, I, uh, I do think it's funny how you know guys come out now. And, well, we can't have that. Like, 
yeah, well, would John Elway feel differently if it was the Broncos who had lost a game in that fashion? I bet he would. Well, but see, and that, though, is my problem the other way, is everybody, when it's harmful to them, doesn't want the change, and when it's helpful to them, does want the change. You know, and we're and we have a very short-sighted view. Sure, you know, sure. and and I, I try to, I try my best to stay away from that. Like I really try to think, you know, and, and in this game, I wasn't, I was rooting for the Saints, but I like the Rams too. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't have a tremendous rooting interest, so it's easier for me to be objective. Um, but you know, other times that's not the case. I mean, the ASU games, I I can remember, you know, I still remember. 2008, the conference tournament, when Jeff Pendergraft was called for an over-the-back in a one-point game, we lost. And, you know, he put it back for a dunk that would have put us up with less than a minute to go. It, they waved it off. He gets a foul. We lose the game. We missed the tournament, barely. And I still remember that. But, you know, I, we could have been better that year. I try, to, I try my best to remove the emotion of it as much as possible. Like, hey, you know, we could have won a couple more games that year, and that game wouldn't have mattered. We could have made a couple more baskets that day, and we would have won that game regardless. So I try to do the same with this. Like, what would I think if I was upset about this? If this was, say, the Colts with Peyton Manning, and they lost a game like this, versus if the Colts won a game like this, I think I would think the same. I'd be happy that the Colts won a game, you know, like this. If they, but I would think, boy, this it's not right. You know, something needs to change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I believe that. I believe of all the people who I talk sports with that you have a great capacity to. <laughs> I try to. I, I really do because I, you know, I think sometimes we are, we all are. I mean, I'm not perfect by any means. We're all affected by, you know, what we want to happen and what we're rooting for. But I do try to, you know, oftentimes think like, okay, what would I think if this was opposite? You know, what would I think if it was affecting me the opposite way? Would I still believe that um you know the hall of fame is something that comes up well let's uh, talk about I, it let's talk about the <laughs> hall of fame you know that's a that's a great one that i try to try to maintain objectivity as much as i possibly can and think guys i like guys i dislike let's treat it the same way yeah uh, yes, let's talk about it so mariano rivera got in unanimously i'm yeah, gonna just go it. ahead and say i don't care about the unanimous versus not i think that it is silly that you oh, know everyone I, up till now hasn't yeah. I, I, i'm surprised that it happened because i didn't think it would ever happen one of those things i, I thought there was always going to be somebody or some buddies that would prevent it from happening uh so I, I guess i'm glad that it happened in a way because now the the lid is lifted we don't have to talk about it anymore well and i presume that jeter will do it But here's the thing that, for me, why I didn't think it would happen, and obviously it did, so I'm wrong, but I saw in multiple columns and things people who said they considered not voting for him because they knew he was such a lock and they wanted to clear that ballot spot. To to vote for 10 other guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which... I guess I see that rationale a little bit more so than just saying, well, nobody's ever been unanimous before, so I'm not going to vote for him. There's there's a little more to that, but I, at the same time, I, I do think, like, 
you should vote for the ten guys that you believe are the most deserving. Well, but so but that's but see want. that's the problem with the limit, and I think somebody right. made that somebody made that case. I don't I don't remember if it was Jason Stark or someone, but when you you know you 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 don't have to necessarily vote for all ten guys. Right. A lot of people fill, filled out ballots that were well short Less. of ten, yeah. but. If you think there are 11 deserving people, I don't understand why we have a limit, no, especially uh, when we have all these people not voting for who are, who are backlogged. Yeah, I mean, I, I see that. And yet, I guess I can also see the rationale of having a limit because, you know, you want it to be it's sort of the same as football. I mean, part of me, I, I follow the football one every year. and You think, well, why does it have to only be five? You know, you look at this final 15 and there's 12 guys that I think should be Hall of Famers. But at the same time, that keeps it somewhat exclusive. And you want that. You don't you don't want it to become so wide open that it's the basketball Hall of Fame. And there's 20 guys that get in every year. And, you, you know, the basketball Hall of Fame honestly doesn't resonate much. Um not because people aren't interested in basketball, but because I think, you know, it's like, well, you know, everybody gets in, basically. If you had a halfway decent career, you're going to get in. So I, I get the idea behind the limit, even though I, I see your point as well. Yeah. I, I just don't think that there's a, you know, look, I would love it if I had a Hall of Fame vote. And I think sure. if I was a member of the Baseball Writers Association, yeah, I, I would. Yeah, me too. Think it's amazing, but there is a certain stuffiness of the <laughs> Baseball Writers Association. That's true. Yes. That makes me think we don't have to worry about everyone's just going to vote for every guy on the list. No, no, I, you're right. You're right. I mean, it's it's not a uh, you get the you know you, like you always do the same as what we just talked about with the instant replay reviews. Well, you know, every play is going to be reviewed. There's going to be six-hour games. No, it's not. You know, there's there's ways to do that, and it's not going to be that way. Um, you know, but I do think you'd have some people who would say, "Well, I think you know, twenty-two guys are deserving." And and if so, if you keep the same, you know, seventy-five percent barrier, are you going to end up with you know guys like? Uh, and not to pick on these guys, but. You know, Billy Wagner, Scott Rowland, are they really Hall of Famers? I personally don't think so. Good players, very good players. But Hall of Famer, I don't think so. And maybe they'll both end up getting in. They might. Um, And if they do, you know, good for them. I'm not going to be like, you know, up in arms. But, uh, you know, you you want it to mean something. And now, again, I'm going to shift gears a bit. Do I believe the Hall of Fame is illegitimate? At this point, yes, I do. I, I think um, putting in Mike Mussina before Roger Clemens is insane. Edgar Martinez before Barry Bonds is insane. And that's not to rag on those two guys whatsoever, but they weren't as good as the, two, the other two respective guys I'm mentioning. And so I, the, the whole idea behind the Hall of Fame, I question, I guess, at this point. Yeah. It's – look, it, it's fun to get to have these debates – Um, I think that Roy Halladay getting in, and I know that the sabermetricians out there will be up in arms about the comment I'm about to make. Roy Halladay getting in on the first ballot and Jack Morris not getting in really 
at all on the voting from the writers. Yeah. yeah is stunning to me because each was the best pitcher of his decade. Each had an incredible, memorable postseason win. Now, one of those was in a divisional series game and a perfect game. And one was in a world series where he pitched 10 innings, but and they won the world series in that game. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, this is going to sound, you know, crass and one of those things you couldn't say on TV because you get fired. But I do believe Roy Halladay was a first ballot Hall of Famer and, and such a cinch first ballot because he died. I'm, I, I truly am not sure that he would have gotten, you know, north of – did he get over 90 percent of the vote? He tied Edgar Martinez, which I believe was at 80, 85, 85 or, or so. Like, I don't think he would have gotten that much if, if not for – dying and that doesn't mean he didn't deserve it i just well, think sometimes fact, you know the way it goes with this he probably would have eventually gotten in yeah he probably would have got in and, and i'm fine with him getting in uh, you know it's i mean he was a great pitcher and again i'm not at all saying he doesn't deserve it i just believe his his candidacy was accented by you know his his untimely death but you know i think that put i mean it got ken stabler in the hall of fame i have i pounded the drum for ken stabler for years when ken stabler died all of a sudden it put his name back on the radar and he got in and you know the writers would probably say one doesn't have anything to do with the other i don't believe him he was he was available to them for 20 years and then he dies and all of a sudden he's on the seniors committee and boom he's in so you know putting your name back in the limelight or keeping it in the limelight a la Kurt Warner, it helps. I mean, because these guys are humans. And, and so the more they hear a name, the more they think of the guy, it's going to be like, well, boy, that guy was really good. And he was, but would we have even thought about him as much if not for what happened? Yeah. No, it's a good point. I mean, you know, it, again, the guys who do the voting are are humans. They're not robots. And so the more you hear about someone, and we heard a lot about Roy Halladay because of what just happened, unfortunately, you know, um, it puts it in your mind. And then you think, that guy was really good. He's, yeah, got to vote for him for the Hall of Fame. When if he was still alive and he hadn't been pitching for five years, there might have been more people who thought, yeah, he was good, but I'll wait and vote for him next year or the year after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, just to round out our discussion, Bonds and Clemens did not get in, did not get over sixty no. percent, uh, which 59 is or stalling. Yeah. They're still going up, but they are plateauing yeah, under yeah, sixty I mean, with three years to go. It kind of feels like the, you know the, the rubber's going to meet the road in three years. That 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 may be the time that that they get in. I, I hope so. Uh, uh, you know that they get an that Edgar be, Martinez like boost. Yeah, or 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 people, you know, the the stuffiness of the writers, as you just mentioned, that will say, you know, okay, your punishment was uh, we're going to make you wait till the very last year, ha ha ha, and now we'll vote you in. But boy, we showed you how bad it was to use steroids, um, and, and, and get you know, right, exactly. I mean, so somebody and, made an interesting point about how Andy Pettit got yeah. caught said, this was the only time, I'm sorry. And we're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Meanwhile, these guys didn't get caught, said they never did it, and we're like, nope, nope, bad. Not okay. I know, I know. I mean, it just, it's, uh, the the way that a certain few guys 
have gotten the label of, you know, cheater, cheater, cheater. And did they probably both cheat? Yeah. I mean, I, I've never argued that Barry Bonds is, is, was clean or Roger Clemens was clean. I mean, come on. Uh, you know, any, any reasonable person would probably agree that they probably did some performance enhancers. But it was, it was going around, you know, like the plate back then. Um, it was very prevalent in the game. And they were still the best that, that ever did it among their positions. So I, I just don't quite understand the, the reticence on, you know, why we can't acknowledge that. The Hall of Fame is not a cathedral. I read somebody said that. And it was a very good point. The Hall of Fame is a museum. It's not a cathedral. And, and, you know, we can put them in the Hall of Fame without somehow canonizing them. But I think a lot of people view it as the same thing. You vote for somebody for the Hall of Fame, it's like saying, boy, I love that guy. It doesn't have to be that way. Just vote for the best player. Well, and you can look around the guys who are in and see that that's not what this is. That there's not a lot of great guys. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and you there's know, guys that we think are great guys who very likely, you know, one or two or three aren't. We just don't know. You know, I mean, we see it all the time now in sports, in politics, in actors and musicians. Like, wow, you hear some story and you think, boy, I thought that guy was a great guy. I thought that lady was a great person. Oh, turns out they're not. Turns out, you know, they, they have flaws, too. They did, you know, uh, they did something terrible. They did something controversial. Happens all the time. So, you know, you got to start taking guys out of the Hall of Fame when you find out, oh, well, maybe they're not such a great guy. Yeah. It shouldn't be about that. I mean, it just, and, and, you know, the fact that, um, you know, two of the best players of our lifetime and not just those two, I mean, those are the two that stand out because they are clearly so good and were dominant for so long. A guy who, you know, fell off the ballot immediately, Rafi Palmeiro, like he he had 500 homers and 3000 hits. Right. Which used to be. You know, free pass. Either one was, yeah. you know, automatic. And if you had one, if you had both, I mean, that's a very exclusive list that that have that. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. very very exclusive. And yeah, he's he's nowhere close. Um, I, I just, you know, and and there's just that sliding scale of like, well, I I vote for Bonds because he was great before, but I wouldn't vote. <sighs> like to me, put them all in. Vote for all of them. I don't get the idea behind, you know, well, I'd vote for Bonds and Clemens because they were great before steroids, but I wouldn't vote for Sosa because he wasn't. How do you know that? I mean, how do you know that? You know, Sosa could have been great. Maybe he wouldn't have hit 600-plus home runs, but maybe he would have hit 500. Who knows? We don't know. So, so stop playing, you know, amateur psychologist, amateur physician, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Just, just pick the best players and move on. Yeah, um, it's apparently not that simple. We're not going to be bound by this Super Bowl pick that I'm going to have us make. But your initial thought—I I assume we're both rooting for the Rams. I am rooting for the Rams. That is correct. Yes. Do you think right now you don't have to do a score or anything? Do you think that the Rams will win? No. <laughs> I, I mean, me neither. I, I mean, I—I I, um, I don't know. Uh, I didn't think the Eagles would win last year, and they did. And, you know, I mean, it's it's been weird with the with the Patriots Super Bowls and the many they've been in because 
you know, the three they've lost, uh, I didn't really expect them to lose those. Um, but then some of the ones they've won, like, the, you know, the one against the Seahawks, I thought they'd, they'd lose. They ended up winning. Now, barely, you know, but they still won. It's still um, a win if you don't I mean, hand the ball to Marshawn Lynch. Right. Well, I mean, and the one thing with them is every one of their eight Super Bowls has been decided by seven or less, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe less than seven. I think they've all been one-score games. It's exciting. They play exciting they football. They play, they play uh, you know, dramatic games. Um, and and so you'd expect this probably to be the same type of way. Uh, you, know, you know, their defense does have some holes. And Kansas City took advantage of those, you know, in the second half. Uh, took them a while. But once they got going, they really got going. Um, you know, and, and they don't have a dynamite, uh, explosive receiver like they've had in the past. It's a lot of the, you know, short passing game, really good running game. And, you know, Sony Michelle's been a great pick for them. Um, gets to play in a second consecutive championship game at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, which is pretty cool for him. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I hope not same outcome. against him, but hopefully it's the same outcome. Yeah. Yeah. For him. Uh, you know, again, I like him and I was hoping he'd win last year, but, um, yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll be interesting. Uh, I just, you know, I, I didn't think that golf would perform well in, in New Orleans. Um, and especially as the game got tight at the end, I, you know, when they got the ball back after the controversial, you know, no call, and I didn't think they'd go anywhere. I just didn't, I didn't trust him to come up clutch. And he did. Made some big throws, took him down the field, um, made a couple really good throws in the overtime, even though they didn't move the ball much. But the two throws under pressure where he easily could have taken a big sack, and instead he, you know, completes the ball and they get a few yards. Uh, he was, he was very solid, but I just don't know if I trust him yet. You know, I, I probably should after what I saw against the Saints, but I got to see it more than once. Yeah, I I just view it kind of like the NBA type playoffs that you know the Rams have made a run. They're yeah. young. Their window's probably another season or two. Um, I just don't think they have it. Uh, I'd like to think that if the Patriots win, Brady retires, but I, I, I don't, you know. I mean, if you if you told me that, you know, if you gave me that certainty, I'd be like, well, okay, yeah, I'd be all right if the Patriots win it. But I don't think he will. I, I mean, I don't see that. I know we keep playing that game with him every year, I mean, three years in a row. Though, in fairness, five. he's not far. He never talks about, I might retire. He no, always no, no. says, I'm he coming back. He doesn't. No, I agree. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a media-generated game. Um, you know, every year, three in a row now, it's been, you know, well, if they win, maybe he'll walk away for whatever reason. And the last two he hasn't tonight, I don't expect him to. I mean, maybe he will. And God, I'd love it if he did. I'd love it if Belichick walked away too. And, and they went, you know, six and ten next year. It'd be fantastic. Um, but I expect them both to be back. They, they seem to have uh, no immediate desire to go away. Matt, we both know that if Belichick walks away, Josh McDaniels will That's be true. terrific. <laughs> now, wh- now, what if Josh McDaniels brought back AAA outfielder Tim Tebow to play quarterback? Would that change your feel? <laughs> uh, well, I wouldn't hate him. Let's say that. I mean, I, I, I do wonder what, I mean, if the day ever comes, 
that you know Brady and Belichick leave the Patriots. What will I think of them? I mean, I, I associate my hatred with them just simply because of those two. And then you start to hate other people on the team because they're there. But if it's, you know, if it, I, I don't know. I don't know how I'll feel. Because um, I don't hate the Patriots just that they're the Patriots. I hate Brady and Belichick. And so when they're gone, I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting to see. The, but again, that, that may be 10 years from now before I get to figure that out. Your hatred may just shift to the Kraft family, and it might. and then I'm you'll just big, hate forever. I'm not a big fan of him. I'm not. You know, I, yeah, I, I get tired of him. I did. I did. You know, certainly enjoy the the media. You know, making a story of him saying that he thinks Tom Brady is the greatest player ever. Like that's a story. That's that's that warrants mention on the on the bottom line of ESPN. He's the owner of the team. I mean, like Tom Brady made him millions of dollars, right? <laughs> Billions, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, that that franchise has has gone from you know now. Granted, there are other reasons besides Tom Brady, but you know, it's it's uh, God. I mean, I don't even know what the term 10, 15 times from what he bought it for. So uh, yeah, I mean, is he going to be is he going to be against him? I mean, if he it'd be a story if he said. You know, I love Tom, but uh, I think Peyton Manning was the greatest player ever. Then we might be like, wow, I'm surprised you would say that. Yeah. It's his guy. Of course he's going to say he's the greatest player ever. Yeah. And yeah. he might be. I mean, like, like, one, that's not a controversial statement. He's, he's one of the most accomplished players ever. There's no doubt about that. Two, he's the owner of the team. So that really shouldn't be a surprise that he might say that. Yeah. The only team Brady's ever played for. Right, right. He's won him five championships. Um, you know, they're in the playoffs every single year. Yeah, and, and I mean, this is not the first time that we've seen that, you know, he has love for Tom Brady. Um, I mean, you know, if, if Belichick said it, then it might be news because Belichick is usually a little bit more like, whatever, you know, we did good. He doesn't really go overboard. But, I mean, Kraft has always been, you know, a Brady guy for for years and years and years. So that's really not news. Not at all. But whatever. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but, you know, maybe sometime around 2035 when Brady finally retires, uh, I'll be able to answer that question. <laughs> I'm just really excited because I think I might retire before Brady retires. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. God, I mean... Uh, it's uh, he just he just won't go away, and I keep wishing he would. I keep uh, hoping you know that that uh, this is the end, and it just never seems to be. Uh, you know, I mean, it was supposed to be the end when when they you know lost to the Giants in '46. That was well, that might be their last run, and then then when they beat the Seahawks, like, well, they won one more, that's great, but that's going to be it for them. And then uh, just year after year after year after year, they're in the mix. I mean, you can't help but respect it, but I also hate it. Yeah. Uh, I think that is an apt description. I mean, that's Uh, the best way I could put it, yeah. So we're both picking the Patriots and rooting for the Rams as of today. For now, yeah. Uh, yeah. Official picks will come next week. One yes. final official pick, and then we're out of here. Matt, who's winning the Royal Rumble? I'm going to go Seth Rollins. 
Seth Rollins say tweeted he's very excited about the giant pork sandwich that they're selling at Chase Field. <laughs> I saw that. I saw the. Well, I didn't see he tweeted about it. I did see the sandwich though. He said, "I am here for this," or something okay. to that effect. Okay. Well, yeah, I I won't get it. Um, that's a bit much for even me. Maybe ten years ago, I would have. Uh, you know, I, I used to used to be able to eat anything, and I could you know survive it. But not so much anymore. But but uh, listen, you I don't want to spend the rumble in the bathroom. I do not. I do not. No, no. And it's going to be a long night. And looking at a four-hour main card and a two-hour pre-show kickoff show. So yeah, yeah. Gotta gotta have some endurance to get through this one. Matt will give us the full report on what he saw at the rumble. We'll make yeah, our Super we'll Bowl give me your pick. You're not, you're not getting off the hook. you got to give me your pick, too. I want it to be like a legend, like a run-in legend surprise. Okay. And, and I'm... Then you got to factor in that person is then fighting at WrestleMania. Right. Well, and my, my, my first thought is that, you know, the guy who comes in at 29 or whatever, because I know they gave 30 away in another right. gimmick match. Right. Uh, would be like if Undertaker came in at 29. Yeah. And cleared house and then got in some sort of triple threat match at Mania against, yeah. you know, Brock and Finn or yeah. Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles. Something yeah. where he can, you know, not get pinned, not yeah. win the title. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's no talk of Undertaker at all. That's it's interesting that you mentioned him. I mean, you know, I, I haven't heard anything about him. You know, being there, um, being at Mania. I assume he will be because he almost always is. But uh, there hasn't been any mention of it yet. But yeah, I I feel like it's gonna be Rollins. It seems like they're building him up to be the guy to face Lesnar at WrestleMania. Um, but. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, we'll we'll see how it goes. Yeah, it should be interesting, and I'm I'm excited for for Brian versus Styles. That should be good, and the women's matches should be good. Uh, I mean, like I'm I'm curious what they'll do with that too. Yeah, that one you you have to get some legends because that there just aren't thirty <laughs> on the time. roster. Right, right. Yeah, they'll have some people come back and. Uh, fill in the, just like they did last year. Yeah, yeah. You know, but it seems like it'll. You know, there's there's a few contenders. Charlotte, Becky Lynch, if she's in that too, she's in the title match. But yeah. you could see her like, you know, maybe she loses the title match in controversial fashion and then enters the Rumble and wins it or something like that. Yeah. I like it, man. It'll be fun. It'll be fun, yes. I'll, uh, I'll give you my best first-person account when we talk next week. We'll do that. We'll nail down our picks. We'll find out yeah. if ASU was able to ever sweep a road series. Uh, Hopefully get at least one. Yeah, yeah. Until next time, though, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. Yes, sir.